This is Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast, where non-technical professionals stay ahead of the AI curve. If you don't want to learn Python, but you do want to have the strategic knowledge to identify and lead AI projects and AI change, you found yourself in the right place. This episode highlights two of the most fun parts of running the AI and Business Podcast. One of those is being able to travel and speak to interesting people. This episode was recorded live in London. I was doing a bit of speaking out here in London and decided to have our quarterly strategy meeting as a company out here and got in some great interviews with some exciting companies. And the second fun part is covering trends. Yes, we cover plenty of use cases, plenty of individual AI applications across industries. We also like to look at the big picture, where things are ultimately headed and what that means for business leaders. Our guest this week is Dr. Rui Metrez. He is the CEO and co-founder of Beyond Minds, an AI company based here in London. And we speak this week on the topic of data-centric AI. This is an idea popularized by Andrew Ng of Landing AI and of Stanford. We have had Landing AI folks on the podcast in the past. But we speak this week with Rui about what data-centric AI actually means uh, in terms of a definition and also what it implies for the future of enterprise AI projects. If you are not going to be the person who's writing the code and not the person that's actually cleaning the data, what do you need to know? about data-centric AI in order to identify the right projects and be able to manage them to a likely return on investment. Um, from a strategic and conceptual standpoint, I think Rui does a great job of describing this concept. And no matter what industry you're in, this is likely to be something you'll see your data scientists experimenting with and potentially the default way uh, that AI projects are sort of examined and assessed. And this introduction is being recorded from a London hotel. I caught coronavirus out in London, uh, despite being vaccinated and I thought relatively well prepared, I guess every now and again, the airport's going to get you no matter what. So uh, I am not leaving London until I test negative. So I do not have all my fancy audio equipment to record my intros and outros the way I'd like to. But I did want to make sure I could get this episode out to everybody because it was a fun one. And because we're just coming back from London, I wanted to make sure to get some of these episodes out quickly. It's always fun to do episodes in person, especially in this Zoom world we've all been forced to live in in the last little while, and I had a lot of fun with this one. Rui is an Emerge Plus member with us as well. You can learn a little bit more about Emerge Plus at the end of this episode. Without further ado, we're going to be speaking about data-centric AI. This is Rui Metrez of Beyond Minds here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Rui, welcome back to the program. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Today we're talking about a trend and an idea. So uh, the idea here is data-centric artificial intelligence. Probably there's a very technical way to explain this, but you talk to a lot of business people. Talk a little bit about how you define this when you're talking to business. What is data-centric AI? Yeah, first of all, let's uh, mention Andrew uh, and to uh, come with this uh, crazy and amazing idea, which I really uh, adore. For me, on a very high level way, it's let's not waste too much time in optimizing the model and the algorithmic approach versus let's optimize the data that we're going to use. And I think for anyone that is have any connection to AI, it's very clear that data is, is, is the key, right? We used to say that most of the work in data science is cleaning and organizing yeah, the data. Yeah. Which I think also progressing, by the way, with feature stores, with uh, different types of, of techniques, with NLP, with computer vision, that, that these tasks are a bit easier. 
But still, the data is so, so important. So how can we make sure that the data that we're using to build the model is optimal so we will have best results for the business instead of the model is uh, optimized? And we can think about many, many simple ideas uh, even. Think about as a toy problem, just to, to start yeah, the yeah. conversation. Think about the classifier that you're building to distinguish between images of cats and dogs. Okay? Okay, the right. most Classic, simple idea yeah, that you can problem. think about. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so you can collect millions of images of dogs and cats that will try to generalize uh, for the model the way you understand what is a dog and what is a cat. Now, there are many, many different types of animals that are a bit similar to dogs and cats that could confuse the models. On the other hand, there are many weird type of dogs that maybe you want to emphasize because not all the dogs looks like a border collie or a Labrador that will be probably easier to yeah. collect and will be the massive data. So how your distribution of data look like? Do you have extreme cases in that data set? Is it balanced? Is it not? There are many, many questions about how to, to bring the optimal data so you have an optimal model in production, right? Uh, remember, it's very different from what people are doing in academia where they're trying to really generalize the problem academic data set. It's about the production environment. And the production environment have a very specific distribution or not, maybe it's shifting, but, um, and, and you want to optimize the data from this distribution. That's roughly uh, how I look at it how you make sure that you have the optimal data to bring best ROI. Yeah, and there's there's a lot to get into here. It sounds like the reason this has its own buzzword, and Andrew has put the emphasis on it that he has, is that the tendency at present is to put the emphasis on tweaking the algorithm. In other words, oh, can we try this model, this model, this model, this model? Well, now what you're saying is this is more of just a philosophy of, hey, Let's let's not plan on focusing most of our tweaking strategizing on the model itself. Let's let's focus our tweaking strategizing optimizing on the data itself. This involves a lot of context. I mean, you brought up the cat dog example, which is very simple and you know a useful one to begin with. But I can imagine, you know, we talked off microphone about something in like the predictive maintenance manufacturing space to know hmm, what would be the ideal data to to allow us to make this decision. Sometimes that's self-evident, sometimes it's not. I imagine you might need some engineers that actually work on the equipment to know, okay, where do we want to put the sensors? Uh, what are the factors that have tended to lead to problems in the past? Like, how do we imagine the best kind of data that we could have? How do we, how do we actually take action on, oh, we need better data, let's optimize the data? What does the process look like? Yeah, I think there are many, many philosophies about that. A side comment about that, that you know, I, I, I had a lack to work on AI in the last uh, 10 years. And I saw the transition in 2012-13 from a very large large um, community dealing with the feature uh, extraction and definitely in computer vision about features and not dealing with the models itself. And then when deep learning came, so everybody started to deal only with the models and deep learning. And I think now uh, people are going uh, a little bit back or, or to a new direction, which is, okay, there are more things to think about besides the best model, the best architecture, yeah, the best yeah. loss function. Yeah, so that's, that's as, a, as a side note. But 
for me data centric is an entire algorithmic research uh, area what we're doing in our company trying to put that down into very applicable down to earth element is trying to reach that production environment as soon as possible and really look at the production data I'll give you a very simple example we're working on a defect detection problem well it's not that simple uh, we, we have been working on a defect detection problem for manufacturing Uh, it's about quality control. It's about production line. You see product after product after product that are completely identical in tr- trying to detect defects. Right? Something very interesting that we saw is that, okay, we collected a training set, lots of images. We had some kind of distribution between defects and non-defects, which is, by the way, usually the complex case of you have 1% defects, 99% non-defects, and it's really hard to detect. Yeah. But we built a model in the, in, the, in the lab. It was a really nice model. We put it in production, 20% degradation. But what we've uh, done is that within two weeks, we gave the users to give feedback to the system, to look at the data that comes in, to really uh, look at the areas with the low confidence, by the way, where the model is not sure about what he's doing or where extreme cases in terms of distribution. Um, we annotate that data. And within two weeks, we had... much, much better model. And I'm talking about 10% improvement or more. We haven't changed anything. We just had a better data set yeah. that is more realistic when it comes to the production environment. It's more similar to the production distribution. And that's for us a very practical way to bring data-centric concepts into reality. I imagine the way the process looks at some level. I'll kind of open the door and let you fill in the, the space here. But I imagine what this looks like is we, we do our first number of runs, you know, in, in the actual production environment. We get a sense of how things look, what our results are, what kind of data is coming in. And then we pause and we ask the question, hey, is there data here that if it was a little bit less noisy, we just think would have the right features and the right information to let, let us make better decisions? You know, should we be collecting this data stream from maybe this part of the physical equipment versus this part of the physical equipment because this one has more to do? We feel like it'll proxy better for like the motor and we should really try that. Is it thinking about, okay, what are the new streams of data? Which of these need to be cleaned? What's the strategy process? We take, we take our first run. We know there's things to optimize. We know there's improvements to be made. What's the checklist to say how to improve the data from here? How do we open up those possibilities? Okay, so, so you're touching, um, um, I think, two different elements. One is what are the right sensors, right data sources that are needed to solve the problem. I think that's, that's a big issue. It's probably even a physical or domain expertise type of problem that definitely need to be discussed and, and think about. But I think when it comes to data-centric, it's more about, okay, you already have a data, okay. a data okay. stream. Got it. that comes in masses. And if you will just take all that data and try to brute force and try to train the best model, it won't necessarily lead to the best result. And, uh, and you can do something else. Instead of taking one million images, maybe if you will take a subset of half a million images out of that data set, you will get much better model that will produce much better accuracy in the production environment. And... The process of doing that is really all about user experience. Hmm. It's about enabling a UI that enables the domain expert, the data scientist, the product manager, the business um, owner, 
you name it, in the organization to look at the screen, see all the data that comes through to the, to the API, to the models, give feedback to that system. We're also adding for each model a confidence estimation or uncertainty estimation score so you can really sort all the data by areas that the model is sure about, areas that the model is less sure about. And then to use that UI to give feedback and now you can build a new model with much more critical data, with the data that is really out of distribution or in the end of the distribution with data that the model is less sure about uh, or areas where the user told the system, this is important, this is interesting, this is a, a good case yeah. to, to look at. Yeah, you, you're making an interesting distinction here that maybe in the manufacturing case, for example, which is somewhat unique, but you mentioned where the sensors are placed, et cetera, there's subject matter expertise there, that's a separate thing. The data-centric approach is more about, okay, let's say we already have the data, now what are we going to do with it? My guess is, and tell me if I'm wrong here, that finding where those gaps are, like, oh, this is where the machine's not, or this is where the system doesn't seem to be sure, or, oh, th these instances are, we have you know, a very thin set of these instances, but I think we need to put more emphasis there. Even that might require somebody with shop floor experience, right? Because they would say, oh, well, the reason we only have a few of those is actually because, and then they'd explain it from something in the real world that doesn't come from the Python code, right? It comes from the damn problem in the world. Is it still a multidimensional problem when you're doing when you're doing what you just articulated? Or is it mostly something data scientists could hypothetically just do on their own? Definitely, I think a data scientist can do it on, on his own. I think philosophically or academically, when people are talking about data-centric, is maybe building algorithms to do that instead of you, instead oh, of, okay. instead of uh, you know, a, a user expert to look at the data and try to understand what will be meaningful or not, to build an algorithm that will tell what will be meaningful or not, right? And really bring the, information, the, the critical information out, out of the data. Because remember, a model, as good as it will be, it will find this optimal point where it's trying to focus on the majority of data. At the end of the day, even the most sophisticated AI model with the most sophisticated loss function, etc., will end in an optimal way with respect to, to the training set, right? And if you have... 1%, a very unbalanced data set with 1% errors or predictive maintenance or whatever you want to, to look at, and 99%, it will try to focus on this, this night to night. Yeah. Uh, and there are methods to try and overcome that and balance the data and reweight, et cetera, et cetera. But how you really optimize the data? I don't want to deal with the architecture with the loss function or the optimizer or the hyperparameters. I want now to deal with what is the best data set. Uh, for me, it's a huge uh, research problem that I think we will see lots of cool ideas in the coming years, propagating from academia probably into into the the industry. Yeah. But for us, I'm trying to bring a new aspect to that. Instead of trying to solve this algorithmically, right now, tomorrow morning, you can solve this with user experience, with process, and. The way I look at it is, is about the day one in production will be a bad day because the, 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 there will be a distribution shift between the, the lab and production. Yeah. But when you put a model in production as soon as possible, by the way, even if it's not optimized and the data scientist is not happy with the result, put it in production, it will be much easier to optimize the data than optimize the model.
to build the best training sets versus building the best model. So maybe put a cap on that for expectation setting for the business listeners here. The people tuned in may or may not be doing the tuning of the data and setting of the hyperparameters, but they will probably be in charge of projects that require a lot of this. What does this mean, I guess, for the future of enterprise AI and, and how it's approached? How will this intersect in any way, maybe with how business leaders have to make decisions? Does this mean they should get a little smarter from a perspective of what is a feature, what is a hyperparameter, et cetera? You know, given this paradigm shift that you seem to believe in, obviously, Andrew's put some great emphasis on, what do you hope leaders get to make this stuff come to life? Critical milestone, which mean build the very basic model, put that in production in the real environment with the real data, then start to think how to improve the situation, improve the data, improve the model, improve the sensors, etc. But put a model in production as soon as possible. When I say production, I don't necessarily mean it's now operational, yeah, it's yeah, replace yeah. people automating things, etc. But it's in the real environment. Yeah, yep, the real it's environment. see the real data. Um, and I think for large organization, if you really try to adopt AI at scale, he should have this ability systematically to put models in a, in a real environment, let's say, to really touch the real data and have the real distribution and have real business owners look at this and build these feedback mechanisms. Everyone needs to be able to look at the prediction coming from the AI and give feedback. That feedback is gold, definitely. It's the best way to improve your models. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Like uh, AI, like human. Uh, we need feedback to grow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. So points to make click for our non-technical listeners here. One is get it in production early. Learn real lessons, not laboratory lessons. And number two, in some regard, treat it like a human. You know, it needs it needs those new rounds of feedback. Make sure that those loops are, are uh, applicable and are kind of baked in there. I think those are things that even if you don't write Python, uh, you can take some action on. So, Rui, I know that's all we have for time. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. So that's all for this episode of the AI Success Factor series. I hope that there were some good nuggets and takeaways for those of you who are tuned in here. It'll be interesting to see the emphasis shift from algorithms to data and what kind of burdens that places on the folks who are doing the actual cleaning of this data, as well as what kind of burdens it places on, as well as the burdens it'll place on data intake, process of selecting what kind of data to take in, how to harmonize the data at the point of intake so that we can emphasize data quality and the right features from the get-go, as opposed to kind of garbling it all in the back end and then hopefully hoping that the right algorithm is going to solve the problem for us. I thought, again, Rui did a great job of being able to describe this in business leader terms, uh, and hopefully this is a trend we'll be able to continue to cover in future episodes. I did mention Rui is one of our valued Emerge Plus members. Uh, we are grateful to have smart PhDs as well as plenty of very non-technical folks who are Emerge Plus members around the world. Emerge Plus, for those of you who don't already know, many of you listening in are already members. Emerge Plus is where we provide a full library of all of our AI use cases here at Emerge, in addition to a library of our infographics and best practice guides. So for folks who want to be able to take what they read and what they listen 
to here at Emerge and put it in action in terms of, again, actionable guides and step-by-step frameworks in addition to a complete library of white papers and use cases, Emerge Plus is the place to go. You can go to emerj.com slash p1. That's p as in plus and then the number one, emerj.com slash p1, and you can learn more there. That's all for this episode. I look forward to catching you next Monday for our AI Success Factor series to kick off the week, and I look forward to catching you then.